I don't know about the rest of you who are parents, um, but I know for myself, I don't think that I am ever going to forget uh, the day I found out that I was a father. I, I imagine that no matter who you are, it's it's difficult to forget when you found out you were going to be a parent, but I don't think that I am ever going to forget when I found out that I was going to be a parent. Uh, it, was, it was a unique and it was an interesting day. Uh, it wasn't just unique because, you know, it's not every day you find out you're going to be a, a dad or a mom. But for me, it was unique because it's not every Saturday morning you get woken up early with a plastic stick in your face. <laughs> it was unique. And, I, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to forget it because, you know, there were a lot of emotions involved. There was a lot of uh, thoughts running through our heads. It was something that I don't imagine myself ever forgetting ever. Uh, not only that, but I don't think I'm ever going to forget the day my daughter was born. Uh, it, it started at 1 a, 3 a.m. and ended at 1 a.m. It was a 22-hour ordeal. There are several things during that day that I don't think I'm going to forget. Uh, the delivery, I don't think I'll forget that either. I'll save you all the details. But uh, it was an, a really interesting and unique event, not just because it's every day that's it's not every day that you have your child born, but uh, there was a, the umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck. And it was interesting to see the doctor handle that situation very quickly, very professionally, and get that done. It's just something I don't think that I'm ever going to forget. And I have provided you with some of these details, but there's no doubt in my mind that a week from now you will struggle to remember the details of how I found out that I was going to be a parent, and the details as to how I became a father. But there is one birth story that the whole entire world is always going to remember. There is a birth story that we have in God's word that the whole world is always going to remember because it was the most important birth in the history of mankind. And it begins with a young woman named Mary. Mary was a virgin. She was someone who had not been married yet. She was betrothed to a man named Joseph. Uh, to be betrothed is sort of like an American, the American uh, engagement, but much more formal. Um, and so they had not been married yet, and Mary finds out ahead of time that she is going to miraculously conceive a baby. We see an angel coming to her and saying, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have been found, but for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, he shall, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary is finding out in a rather spectacular and unique way here that she is going to be a mother. There is an angel that is visiting her and telling her that even though she does not know a man, even though she has not been with a man, she is going to be a mother. And she is not going to be the mother of just anyone. She is going to be the mother of the king of Israel. And while I think my situation was unique, I, this it pales in comparison to the uniqueness of Mary's story. And how Mary find out, found out that she was going to be a mother. And my story also pales in comparison to how Joseph found out 
about Mary because Joseph was not married to Mary and he was ready to put her away. He was ready to not marry her any longer once he found out that she was pregnant. But an angel comes to him as well. And it's, and the angel says to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to Mary, take to you Mary, your wife, for that which you, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Mary and Joseph are finding out from an angel, a very unique experience, I doubt, that they are going to be having this child that has not been conceived by any natural means. It's a miracle. And Mary and Joseph, when they are told that Jesus that's going to be born is going to be the king, they likely would have understood what this meant to some extent. Being Jews, they would have known growing up that there was a Messiah that was going to be coming. And when they are told this is going to be the king of Israel, they would have understood that this was the most important birth in the history of the Jews. This wasn't just any normal child. I mean, it's not just unique because there's angels coming. It's not just unique because it's a miraculous birth. It is unique because this is the Messiah, the baby, the infants that the Jews have been waiting for for centuries. And this is their child. And I know when I found out that I was going to be a parent, you know, some, one of the thoughts that ran through my head was, man, I hope I don't mess up. Man, I hope I don't mess up raising the Messiah. <laughs> Raising the king of Israel, I just can't even imagine the burden that they must have felt or the joy that they must have felt having the privilege of knowing that they were going to bear Jesus, the Christ. And they weren't the only ones who felt the joy of finding out that the Christ was born because we see also in Luke that there were these shepherds that were out in the field and an angel comes and visits them and tells them that Jesus the Christ is born on this day and he's telling the shepherds how to find them and he says, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. These shepherds are out in the field and all of a sudden this angel comes to them and tells them that the Christ is born and then when he tells them how to find it a whole bunch of them show up and just start singing praises to God because of how important this birth is because of how life altering this birth is and this is the reason why it is a Birth that the entire world, a birth story that the entire world has never forgotten and never will forget. Because this was the day that God became man. As we continue in Luke chapter 2, it says, So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And this last little sentence here, this last little part here is something that I find so profound because the underlying principle that is there is all throughout the story of Christ and the story leading up to Christ, the story of his life, the story of his death. He was God born. He was God in the flesh, but couldn't stay at the end. Was left to stay in a manger. 
And I think about this, and it just goes against every notion I have about something that's important. My daughter was important to me. I wanted my daughter to be born in facilities that had all the tools and instruments to take care of her if something was going to happen. I wanted her to be comfortable. I wanted everything there to make sure that she was accommodated for. And as much as I love my daughter, my daughter is not Jesus Christ. And he had little to no accommodations. He was born and had to stay in a manger. And this principle, this idea that we see uh, being exemplified in this story, we see throughout the life of Christ. And it's something that makes the story of Jesus Christ so interesting and so compelling and draws us closer and draws us near because we see someone so important stooping so low. And I really want us to wrap our minds around that this morning. I want us to really think about what has happened here when Jesus Christ was made, the birth story of Jesus. What has happened? In order to do this, I want to back up all the way to the beginning because that's how John starts his gospel. In John chapter 1, 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Skipping to verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We find when we go to the Gospel of John, he's not starting with the birth of Jesus. He's starting even further back than that, which is Jesus prior to the birth. Jesus as the word. Jesus as the word that was with God and was God. Jesus as the word that created all things, that was the source of life, that was the light to the men. Jesus, prior to his birth, had immense power, had immense knowledge, had immense wisdom, and was born in a manger. Jesus had infinite ability and became finite. Jesus became a man. And he did this for you and me, as we can see. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That through his poverty, that through, that you through his poverty might become rich. We see that Jesus prior to his birth was God. He was equal with God. But for our sakes, he became poor. He was rich. He was rich in wisdom. He was rich in power. He was rich in majesty. He was rich in might. And for our sakes, he became poor. And we can see that he didn't just become poor in a sense that he went from God to man. He became poor in our human sense as well. When we go to Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and, came and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. We see here that Jesus, he did not find it's robbery to be equal with God. He was equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. He came and he became a man. He became a bondservant and he allowed himself to die. 
And when I think about what we've read so far about how Jesus went from being God to being man, I have this sort of visual in my head. I want to try to demonstrate it to you. Because what we see what happened was while Jesus was equal with God, he became a man. But he didn't just become any man. He became a man that couldn't even stay at the end, had to be born in a manger. And as we read in Philippians 2, he didn't just become any man as he could have, right? He was God. He could have allowed himself to become become born as a man that was a king. He could have become born as a man that was royalty. He could have become a man that was born in some form of middle class at the time. But instead, he came in the form of a bondservant. And he didn't just come in the form of a man and then leave because he decided he was tired with the body. He decided... He was going to allow himself to die. And he didn't just die any sort of death. He died the death of the cross. The death of a criminal. When we look at what Philippians 2 has to say, what we see is that Jesus continually made a sacrifice throughout his life from the beginning, from going from God to man and then continuing through his life, not to not choosing a path of royalty, not choosing a path of riches, but choosing a path of a bondservant, and then not choosing just to live the path of a bondservant, but choosing to die the death of a criminal. Jesus sacrificed from the beginning to the end. And so when we look at the birth story of Christ, what I see, what happened was the beginning of his sacrifice. I do not just see the grand joyous birth story that I think of when I think of my own child. I do not just see this joyous thing that's going on when other people have their children and how much joy it brings them, especially when it's been a long time coming. I see the beginning of sacrifice. I see a sacrifice being made by Jesus Christ just from going being the word God to becoming man. And this becomes more evident to me when we look at Philippians 2 a little bit more closely. Verse 6, it says that Jesus, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. If you look at other versions, or if you look at uh, some, like maybe the Greek word there for made himself of no reputation, there's this idea there of emptying himself, or neutralizing himself, or voiding himself. It says that he emptied his equality with God. He voided it. He neutralized it. He went from being equal with God to not. And that's hard to, for me to wrap my head, head around. And it's definitely hard for me to think about why would anyone do it when I can think of an analogy that might even be close. I mean, would you choose to take on the form of a dog? Would you choose to take on the form of a squirrel? To lose status, to lose might, to lose power, to lose knowledge? Would you be willing to make that sacrifice? Jesus made that kind of sacrifice just by becoming a man. And when I read this and I think about this, what makes this so profound to me is because I I always think about how I don't deserve the death that Jesus gave. I don't deserve the beatings that he took. I don't deserve the ridicule he took. I don't deserve the crown of thorns pushed on his head. But I never think... I don't deserve 
the birth of Christ. I don't deserve the conception of Christ. And if you're here this morning and you think you do deserve the birth, the conception, the creation of Christ in the flesh, you're wrong. We don't even deserve that. I mean, we're not even close to the beatings when we're at the birth. That's 30 years later. We don't deserve it. We don't even deserve him coming in the flesh. But he did it. To endure more suffering. To give more sacrifice. For you. And for me. The birth story of Christ. It is one of great joy. But it is also one. Of great sacrifice. And I don't think we need to neglect that aspect of the story. Because just by looking at the story. Our calling as Christians becomes even more evident to me. And I hope it it does to you as well. Because when we look at Philippians 2 here, this verse 5 here sticks out to me. It says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. When it's talking about how he sacrificed his equality with God to become a man, this sort of sacrifice, this level of humility, this willing to give up status and fame and power, whatever it is, for others... Is the willingness and the mindset that we are called to have as Christians. We are called to mirror him. Not just in the life he lived. But by becoming a man. And the mindset that it took to become a man. While being equal with God. When we are called to mirror him. This is following what is said in verses 3 and 4 of Philippians 2. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. When I consider what Jesus Christ has done by going from God to man, I see a type of sacrifice That I don't see myself being willing to make. I don't see myself having this sort of mindset here that Jesus exemplifies. Putting the needs and the wants and the interests of others before his own. Because I'm sure it was somewhat against his interest in a personal way to go from being equal with God to being equal with man. And not just equal with man, lower than most men. Being a servant and dying the death of a criminal. Jesus sets a high standard for us just in his birth. And we need to mirror this in our everyday lives. Not ever thinking that you are someone who can choose not to sacrifice for someone. I mean, who am I if I choose not to sacrifice for someone else? Who am I if I choose to have it my way rather than someone else's way? Who am I if I never spend a moment in my day thinking about someone else's needs or interests? Who am I if I go every single day without looking for opportunities to serve someone else? Who am I to place myself before anyone else when God became man? Became a servant. And was beaten. Was whipped. And crucified. 
Who am I to do this? Who am I to not be willing to associate with the lowly, as Romans 12 says? Who am I to think of myself as a wise person when Jesus became poor for my sake? Who are you to think that you're worth any of this and worth more than anyone? Jesus' sacrifice was, Jesus' sacrifice by becoming a man was more than we deserved. And that is what I hope that you can gather from the story of Christ and the story of his birth. That it is not, it is not something we deserve even for a moment. There are some things that I think about, and I could try to say more and more, but you just need to think about for yourself. And think about what it means to you. Think about what it means for you, the standard that Christ has placed in front of you by becoming a man. Think about your calling as a Christian, knowing that God became flesh for your sake. And what we would like to do right now is to assist you in pursuing this calling, assist you in mirroring the humility and the sacrifice of Christ. If we can help you do that, we'd ask you to come and sit on the front pew as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.